We're going to kind of take a break from First Peter. I did think it's very good that First Peter is what we are studying, and Peter talks about being living stones, and then right here on our stage, living stones appear. Good? All right, let me make an adjustment here. There we go. I need to see this. But we're glad. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Deidre, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about something that God's been challenging me with. You know, as you get older, life changes. But it stays the same. Do you realize that? See, we can hang on. Life changes, and pretty soon, rather than a reality, that becomes a crutch. Because we believe the doctrine, I I think it was about 25 years ago, they felt like at 65, no matter how good you were at your job and productive, you need to get out of there. So they could bring a younger person in with more energy at half the pay to do the job, and they found out they were not as productive. Because there's something about consistency. And so maybe the philosophy of retirement, retirement is where you're supposed to sit down and do nothing. And we find out that many times when people are living a full life and they retire, they put it in neutral and don't do anything. Doctors will tell you they'll wind up dying a lot sooner. So things change in life. My ministry life was some 47 years, I think. I've gone from a mission pastor. I, I even led music back when I could sing halfway good. I was a lead pastor for a number of years. And now my, my ministry roles have shifted. But the ministry that God has given me has not. And this morning, I want to challenge you. Every person sitting here has been given a ministry by God himself. And it's also a reminder that we need to realize and we need to make a decision. Do we live in the philosophy of the world or do we live with the truth of Scripture? And they're vastly different. See, you were created in the image of God. Poor foundation of time. Before you and I were, he knew who you were, who I was every detail about our life and he had plans and purposes for that life that does not end until we stand before him in glory all that time we are engaged we're the body of christ paul used the analogy of the the body that we have and talking about everything is important i it breaks my heart to hear people say, oh, my ministry is just, things I do are just small. It doesn't matter. It does matter. And it matters to God. And you see, if you're doing things and if somebody doesn't recognize what you're doing and you put, go on the old pout trip, and I'm just not going to do that no more. Nobody ever appreciates me. Who are you doing it for? Again, your mind is set in a wrong way. If you're doing things to please each other, or please someone else, you will live a life of total futility because you can't please everybody all the time. And some people, none of the time. But when we do what we do 
The scripture says, do everything you do all for the glory of God. That puts a different focus. And you see, we're going to look at the life of Paul. Now, I'm going to say this again. This message is not so you can be Paul. Okay? God had one. That's all he needed. God had one Peter. That's all he needed. Everyone sitting here need to realize that your ministry, while you may not be able to run as fast and go as far, there's the ministry in your life that this church depends on. And I speak of Tomoka Church. The prayers, your giving, your volunteering, everything you do helps us reach every place in the world, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. That's our goal, to make it hard for people to go to hell because the gospel's there. But have you fin- thought about how you're going to finish? Now, you under 65 people, you're going to say, well, I got plenty of time. Talk to somebody over 65 and they'll tell you just how quick time goes. You see, we don't know when that departure is. But we know right to the finish line. I I know I I love NASCAR. The thing I like about it, when 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 that last lap is going, you'll have the lead pack, but you'll have somebody running in 39th that's trying to outrun the guy in 38th because nobody lets off the accelerator until they cross the finish line. And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. The Apostle Paul was a zealot. The Apostle Paul was so zealous for truth. At first, it was a Jewish doctrine. The Old Testament, the the truth. He had it totally memorized. He was such a zealot for truth that he would even kill and stone people that he thought were blaspheming. But one day on the road to Damascus, the Apostle Paul met real truth. And his life forever changed. So I've written down a couple couple questions and stuff that was in my mind, some things. And we're just going to follow because Scripture was, while it was not written to us directly because we weren't there. All Scripture is written for us. It's God's guide in life for every part of life. Who you choose to marry, how you raise your children, how you raise your grandchildren, and how you live in society, and finally how you meet Christ on the other end. I mean, it's all in the book, laid out. All we got to do is follow it. So we're going to look at it. I I think Paul understood and accepted first and foremost the teachings of Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew 6, chapter uh, chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. Okay, Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This, this is not just saying it's only money that you can't serve. It's anything else in your life. Bible tells us who you yield to, that becomes your God. 
And if it's not Christ, it's an idol. Let's go on. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. If you get anything out of this message, stop worrying about your life. Your life is not put into the hands of chance. God is sovereign. God is when he is your savior and he becomes your life because your life is buried and hidden in Christ. Don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat, drink, and about your body. Isn't that what we're worried about? What we look like? Where we're going to eat? That's my wife and I, since we have an empty home, that's the major conversation. Where do you want to eat tonight, honey? We, we talk. Don't worry about what you wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, how they do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet their heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not worry, saying, what am I going to eat? What are we going to drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. This basically means seek first in your life Christ reign and rule. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. We grow old and have to take more pills because we're worrying about tomorrow and it's 9 o'clock the day before. You see... I've had people tell me, well, preacher, the birds are birds. They're not human. And the lilies of the field, they're plants. They're not human. I tell them, thank you. I didn't know that. <laughs> but here's the point. Birds know they're birds, so they do what birds do. And they do it well. And they do it continually. And they're not worried from season to season. Lilies just are lilies. And the Bible teaches that if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. You are in Christ. I think Paul took that to heart. How did Paul navigate his life? We're going to look at First Second Corinthians on this. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Hang your hat on that. I'm tired of people telling me, yeah, the Lord saved me. But, you know, I have this personality. I have this likes and dislikes. And in reality, uh, nothing's about you changed your life except what you're holding on to. You're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen. Did you, hear, did you see what that's saying? How many times have you said, I'm struggling to be a Christian? You ever said that? Why are you struggling? 
You're a Christian or you're not. Honestly, I use this analogy all the time. You can't be a little bit pregnant. Can you? Huh? You are or you are not. Well, if you are a child of God, you are a new creation. Old is gone, new is here. And all that new comes from God. What about Paul's needs? Paul had needs. Philippians tell us about that. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. They were talking about an offering they wanted to give him. And he was thanking them for it. For I have learned to be content in the circumstances. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Paul had a mindset. He had noticed the word learned. He had learned through experience of having wants, having needs. He had learned that in Christ, he could be just as content with or without if Christ was his mindset. What about opposition? You think Paul had any opposition? What did he say about it? Paul, what did you say? He said, what then shall I say (laughs) in response to this? If God be for us, who can be against us? Listen, that can be your motto for life. All those people you think are mad at you and people worry about what people say. And uh, we do that. We spend our time with the silliest junk. Crowd our mind with junk. If God is for us, who can be against us? Period. But he goes on. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also... Along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who is the one that condemns. Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life. It's at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, and all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death or life, angels or demons, Neither the present or the future, nor any powers, either height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that list. He didn't leave out anything in life. Not only what he faced, but what we face. I want you to know that Paul said at one time, we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. That means you need to get an attitude check. You need to find out if you're living in trust with God or are you secretly living in trust for yourself so that when anything else that threatens other people who are afraid, you become also. We're a lot of the world. 
We're set there in order as a witness for people who will never walk in the doors of a church. People who will never, never hear the gospel of Christ. But through our life, realizing that there is nothing created, past, present, or future, that can come against us. You see, what I think in our life is this. We are running low on trust. And the only one who directs our path. What about suffering? Everybody's worried about suffering. Paul talks about this in Romans. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Not only that, he said, therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary trouble. Listen. If you've read the life of Paul. You know that when he said our light momentary troubles. That man had nothing that was light. But yet when Paul looked at Christ. And he looked at his troubles. He said "Ah, they're just momentary. Because they are achieving for us. An eternal glory that's going to outweigh them all. For we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is what? Temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. What about death? I talked about finishing strong. What about death, Paul? For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. (laughs) And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all who have longed for his appearing. Pretty good. You weren't afraid of death. He wrote that to Timothy in his second imprisonment in Rome. His first, he had a house he lived in with a guard. His second one, he was deep in the bowels of a prison, chained to a wall, waiting for his death. That's what Paul thought about death. What about his goal in life? What what was Paul after? However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's been my password. You see, Paul in Philippians chapter 3 said this. But whatever was my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them garbage. In the Greek, that's just more than like trash. That's as filthy as you can get, that I may gain Christ. You see, the role in our life primarily is not the ministry God has given you that I've said God's given you. You see, we get the cart before the horse. 
Our pursuit is Jesus Christ. God has not called us to be like Paul. God has not said that our life will parallel. He has called us, created us, given us ministry that brings honor, glory to him. And our pursuit is Christ. And in the pursuit of Christ, then this is where ministry fits. It's what God's given us to do with our hands. Uh, I read a story one time about a man that carried his little boy to a boxing match. And as the fighters were in the ring, one fighter was sitting there punching in air and shuffling his feet and putting rosin on them. And the last thing he did is he knelt down and made the sign of the cross. Little boy looked at his daddy and said, Daddy, is that going to help him? And the daddy said, Well, son, if the man can punch, it will. If he can't punch, it won't. See, we're in a war, guys. There are people who think, like a quietist thinks, we just stand. Uh, the quietist also uh, thinks that the battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. And so we just retreat. Apostle Paul said the life that we are called to is a war, a race, and a fight. We depend on God's energy and power, but we are not passive. You need to understand you are engaged as a Christian. God didn't save you just so you could go to heaven. If that was so, we'd have an exodus of millions of people every year. Every time somebody came to Christ, off they'd go. It's not the way it is. God wants a witness in this world. He's called you and I in the 21st century, in this day and time, to be that witness with our lives, with our faithfulness, fighting the war, running the race, not worrying about finishing, but knowing that at the finish line is Jesus Christ himself. So let me ask you a question. Where are you in your journey home? Where are you? Take an honest look. Have you been coasting for a long time? Have you read that after so long a period, God does not require you anymore? I don't know where you get that. If you look in the Bible, the people that made the biggest difference were old people. <laughs> Amen? I like that. that. That makes me feel good. I mean, my, my man Caleb, at 80 years old, went into the promised land, looked at the mountains, the toughest terrain you could gather, and said, give me my mountain. And I'll tell you today, if the 70 to 80 group alone began to stand and within themselves say, give me my mountain and pursue Jesus Christ, the young people in this world who are being thrilled and tantalized in Hollywood and ungodly athletics and athletes, all of the stuff that they're seeing that drives it into their head, this is success. When we begin to stand up and run that race and show the things of this life that are not tangible, it is peace of mind. It is a trust. It is a knowledge that God will fulfill all of my needs 
according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can lay down at night and sleep. Amen. How do we do it? We need a renewed mind. Paul will say to us, we need to put off the old self and put on the new self. Remember what he said, if anyone ends in Christ is a new creation, all things have passed away. All things become new. If you think just because instantaneously you became a new person and your old person was dead, that old guy will be resurrected by Satan every day of your life. And you have to constantly make a decision. Am I taking off dead clothes and live in this live body that he's given me? It's a choice sometimes I have to make five or six times a day. What am I going to live? Is this deadness in me going to control my life? Because if deadness does, the old man, you're dead. You're alive, breathing, but you're dead. You're unfulfilled. You're not experiencing Christ in his fullness every day. God created you to live to the fullest because Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And I've come to give it to you, the max. God's power, God's strength. We step up, you combine them, and you've got a dynamo that this world cannot stop. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to challenge you this morning. We've got enough people who have not returned to church yet. They're still afraid. They need encouragement. There's a lot of people who use the excuse of the weekend. I look at Tuesday at Tomoka, 250, 300 people. Why? Because there's at least that many people that don't know Christ. That many people who need to be renewed in their mind, to understand fellowship, to be encouraged, to be a part of ministry, to have something to hold on to, to have something that they're saying, God, this is my gift. I challenge you this year. Be what God created you to be. His witnesses. Share the gospel. Invite and bring. If they won't come Tuesday, come this week, I don't care. But we've got to shake off the doldrum that we're just a special group. We're our own church and we are not. We're a part of the greater body of Christ that God has called to go to the world. And you, my friends, are a major portion And for the last six months, you've made an impact in this church. There's a forklift in Virginia helping people who are in the flood because of your generosity. People are being served in Gainesville because you said, I will go. This morning, if you can't figure out what I'm talking about, I ask you to look at your relationship. Who's God in your life? Do you know Jesus Christ personally as Savior? This may be the day. You need Jesus. You need Jesus more than healing. You need Jesus more than financial support. You need Jesus. 
And today's the day you've heard the gospel come to Jesus. For you sitting here who know Christ, what you wearing this morning? Old man, dead clothes, or new man in Christ? I challenge you. Renew that mind. Take off the dead and put on the new. I guarantee you, your life is going to change. I think even my blood pressure came down when I came to know Christ. Because I've learned that tomorrow may not even be. I may be standing before my Savior. And Paul's already told me nothing created can hurt me. And if God's against me, I mean, if God is for me, who can be against me? That's given me this attitude that I have. I just don't care. I want to finish strong. And I pray that you will take this challenge. And at any age, finish strong. Father, thank you for your word. It's not only challenging and impacting. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And no matter where we are in life, it's exactly what we need at the moment. So, Lord, I pray right now, let your word bear fruit today and change lives. People coming to Christ, people who have not been baptized saying, I've not, I've not completed my first step of obedience. God, do your work. Revive your church. In Jesus' name, amen.